You are listening to the Rising Phoenix podcast. This is a podcast about maternal mental health. Disclaimer, we are not professionals. We are moms who've experienced this ourselves and want to share our stories and stop the stigma. Heads up, some content may be triggering. We are recording from the Stone Sheba podcast studio in Provo, Utah. Check them out on Instagram for more info on our podcast and more. Hey, everybody, this is Leslie, and I'm here with my co-host, McKenna. Hi, thanks for having me. And we have our special guest, Stephanie, here with us. Hey. Hey. And your husband. Hi. Remind me your name. I'm terrible. I'm Jesse. Jesse. Okay, that's right. (laughs) Um, Stephanie and I met on Instagram. I started to follow her page, I don't know, a few months ago. Yeah. Um, And some of the things that you talk about and and what you're going to share tonight is just recurrent pregnancy loss. Is that yes, correct? Correct. Um, I just love your vulnerability, and um, I don't know. You just bring light to things that no one talks about. This is a topic that I don't feel like, and there's a lot of topics. I feel like a lot more women are opening up and talking about postpartum depression, anxiety, but I really don't feel like this topic gets seen. So yeah. I'm so grateful that you are willing to share. Thank you. I'm so happy to be able to share because I think it is important. Postpartum. Um, where are my words? Um, maternal mental health mm-hmm. is so important, and so often they focus on the depression. And if you've noticed, society has started to change um, the fact that they don't just refer to it as PPD mm-hmm. because anxiety is just as prevalent. And we suffered our first loss two years ago, this coming March, and. <clears throat> I already suffered from a little bit of anxiety, but not much. And then I went from having that loss and not even being able to leave my house. I didn't even know what that felt like. Mm -hmm. And it was really scary because I was feeling a lot of things I didn't understand. And thankfully, I had a really honest and open relationship with my primary care physician. And she recognized that something was off and um she helped me come to the realization that what i always believed society taught me was a loss of a miscarriage or a spontaneous abortion that was what you know the health professions call it um you're still experiencing those hormones and when you have that loss your body has to discard of those hormones the same way it would be if you had delivered a live birth or whatever so (laughs) that was really hard for me to come to a realization of because I was like wait what like I had a miscarriage I didn't really even understand what that meant because I knew it was common I knew that women are like oh it's just a miscarriage and they're so nonchalant about it I know yeah absolutely yeah and, and had you had troubles getting pregnant that time at all? No. And you and when and how you far had, along were you? I'm sorry. Yeah. No. Go ahead. No. Yeah. With our first one, we um, we've had four losses in the last two years, and they were all first term. The longest we've carried is nine weeks. Most of them happened around five or six, like right after the time, like right around the time you'd find out you're pregnant, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden I just start bleeding profusely, and it's so traumatic. You don't know what's going on so many visits to the emergency room and meds that they put you on and they didn't know what was happening and um 
after our last one, I finally was just like, this is stupid. Why am I not talking about this? People talk about <laughs> when they have struggles after they have a baby. I didn't have a baby, <laughs> but I need help. And I'd watch some friends really suffer um, and suffer silently. And I didn't want to be in that place because it scared me mm-hmm. that I wouldn't be able to get out of it. And at what point did they, the doctors, your first or your second last, did they start thinking, okay, maybe there's some fertility? At what point did they kind of step in with um, that? Yeah, so we had actually relocated here from out of state. So I didn't even have an established OB. So it wasn't until my third loss that I had finally been able to get into my OB because, you know, you have a wait, a waiting period. and. My OB was incredible. My PCP is like, this is my OB. I want you to go see him. And at that time, my PCP had not told me that she had gone through fertility um, treatment. And so I didn't know. (laughs) Um, But she's just like, you'll love him. He's incredible. And he was so incredible. And he was like, I really want you to go see a fertility specialist. But I'd prefer you to go here that deals with like high risk pregnancy. Something's going on. And so I actually went to three different specialists <laughs> before no I settled wow. on one because that's another thing that they don't talk about much in the medical world, I think, is that you're allowed to shop around. Oh, yeah. You date your doctor, oh, right? Yeah. You have to. Absolutely. And so I was very adamant that I needed to be comfortable with them and not feel shame or at fault <laughs> for something that happened to me i didn't make it happen Mm -hmm. and so um that was really important to me and nothing against the ones that i went to and decided to go against um but the one that we ended up with is incredible and she knew exactly what to look at and that's when you know you're in good hands they see one small thing that tips them off and is like that's what we need to explore so, um, she, um, explained to us in June of this year that our only option was potentially IVF and, um, which is like the big guns. Yeah. It's the big guns. So a lot of the times (laughs) when people like go to fertility clinics, (laughs) um, (laughs) I just, um, uh, Like, I didn't know anything about infertility. And I didn't think I belonged to that community because I'm like, well, I get pregnant. I'm not part of this infertility community. (laughs) And I hated it. And I was really dead set on saying, I'm not infertile. So stop classifying me as one of them. I am one of them. And I'm proud of it because um, it doesn't define you, but it gives you a community of women. And... So it's so beautiful, but um, I didn't know much about it. And there's so many treatment options (laughs) for women that suffer from infertility. Um, And you don't just go to a fertility specialist because you can't get pregnant. You also end up there because of recurrent pregnancy loss. So that's where we were at. And um, we had to wait for some test results to come back because my husband had to be on some meds to see if they worked and unfortunately they didn't so we had to go straight into IVF she's like this is your only option 
but he has to have surgery first. And he can talk about that if he wants, but it was pretty intense and there was no guarantee. <laughs> and so um, it just kind of was like now or never. And I told my husband because of where I was at with my anxiety and just my mental health <laughs> that this is it. Yeah. We either do it this year or I'm closing the door because this is too traumatic. And after the first couple losses, I just thought, if I just have a baby, it'll fix everything. <laughs> and I don't know if there's women out there that feel that way, but I just was like, well, just give me my baby and that'll fix it. And it doesn't fix the feelings that you have because you see someone with another baby, like that baby's not yours. You know, I've had sisters having babies at the same time as me and I'm like, well, that's not fair. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but it doesn't bother me that there's women out there that are having babies on their own terms. It's their own journey. Mm -hmm. It's not mine. So there is a lot of that, though. I've noticed with a lot of my friends is and rightfully so just, you know, they they don't want to go to baby showers and, and things like that or, or the milestones of when you would have had your baby yeah. and things like that. Like, that's just heart wrenching. Like, it hurts. It hurts. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, even at my baby shower, there was a friend that wasn't able to go. And I'm like, I just want you to know that you're welcome to come. Mm -hmm. But I understand if you don't. I think it's yeah. just both sides being understanding of what, you know what I yeah. mean? Like, it, it's both sides of well, it, really. Because if you haven't experienced either the absence of creating life or you haven't experienced a loss, it's different it is. And I didn't understand what that meant. I still, I mean, I don't understand what it means to go month to month with negative pregnancy tests. I don't know what that feels like. And I can only imagine how painful it is. And I think about those women and it hurts because I know that they're out there. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> so it's just really hard. But um, one of the specialists that I met with that I didn't end up choosing he was amazing and he was incredible and he actually gave me an article and he offered me some advice. He goes, Stephanie, you really have to get a handle on your emotions and how you're feeling. You need to figure out how you're going to create and cultivate some self-love. And he said this article talks about how someone going through chemotherapy and radiation suffer a lot of trauma and depression and anxiety and then on the other hand, you have a woman that's going through loss of a pregnancy and they found that it's very similar, but one is talked about and one is not. One has a support group, one does not. <laughs> and that was really eye-opening for me because I'm like, well, I have a friend that's going through this right now through cancer, through treatments, and <laughs> I don't know what she's feeling but if it's anything like what I'm feeling holy cow mm -hmm. and so that means that there's women that are feeling like this and what can we do to bring more education and light to it and so that's when I started talking about it that's why I love the story uh, your stories because it's not just educating and giving support to women who are going through or have been through what you are and are going through it's educating women who haven't been through it and that there is a there is a feeling of loss and there does need to be more support. Mm -hmm. I went through a miscarriage and I was having a baby at the same time my sister 
was and I lost my baby and she had her baby and I remember crying and she almost was angry at me for crying because she thought I was being I mean we've she's it's been better but she's like was mad at me but I'm like I have some suffering loss but I'm also happy for you yeah Mm -hmm. absolutely and I think that's the number one thing is just educating because it's not that women who like aren't part of our club um because being part of our club really sucks (laughs) and it's not fun um but that's the whole point is that there are women that get pregnant so easily and they're like oh well you're doing IVF that's great then but they don't really understand what IVF is Mm -hmm. or they don't understand the extent of the treatments and what it means and the emotion behind the hormones you're being given yeah so I just that's what's important to me is helping all of these women understand that the infertility community exists Mm -hmm. and we're not trying to like make people uncomfortable but we're uncomfortable and it's because it's not talked about i agree and i think it's it's downplayed um excuse me we've had a lot of talks with women about how strong they feel and psi utah is like huge advocates for this but it doesn't matter how far along you are a loss is a loss absolutely and i think too many women suffer in silence because they don't feel like it's not they don't have like street cred because they weren't far enough along and it's like no 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 your body betrayed you yeah bottom line your body betrayed you there is a loss or people say at least it was early it's like (sighs) it was a loss is a loss yeah Yeah. your mind still goes there it's still the hormones still kick in your body still changes there's an event that was going to happen everything it needed to digest (laughs) yeah so i don't think a lot of women give themselves the space to grieve that because they feel like it they shouldn't they don't they don't need to well and that's exactly what happened to me that's exactly what happened to me for a whole year i sat and just kind of pushed all of these emotions away mm-hmm. i just was like i'm fine because it wasn't like so-and-so's experience oh yeah and she delivered a baby and that baby didn't even get to come home with her you know and so i'm like well it's not like hers that does not matter mm-hmm. and it took me a year to realize that and i have a really good friend that we met when we moved here who um had her own um, she has her own story and she had a son that she found out was diagnosed without kidneys at 20 weeks and she made a decision right then and there that she was going to carry him as far as she could to term wow and um they were like there's no point in doing that i mean they're very cut and dry they're just like straightforward end the pregnancy it's better for everyone because he's not going to live and um anyways i really wanted to know about her son and it was tangible to me and she was so open and she loved that i was willing to ask her and acknowledge that she had a son i mean she buried this son (laughs) and so that's just it just because you have you know someone that lost a child that doesn't mean they don't want to talk about it Mm -hmm. they want to talk about it they don't want to forget that child. And um, just like I don't want to forget my pregnancies, it wasn't what I wanted, but it happened mm-hmm. to me. 
and now um, we've we went through our cycle of IVF and if you don't know much about IVF it has several different categories <laughs> and procedures and so um, you go through a process where they stimulate your ovaries and they basically make your eggs grow so that you don't just have one but you have 19 or plus i mean there's women that can harvest like 56 eggs yeah Ooh, they can explain it like a conveyor belt my doctor was like yeah. we're just stimulating your ovaries and instead of just like one, one a month the conveyor yeah. belt like it does a month we just throw them all out yeah. there and gather as many as we yeah. can it's like an easter <laughs> and egg fertilize them all. yeah and so you go through a process of about two weeks of like taking these hormones that stimulate the growth and then once they do the egg retrieval they have some that are mature enough to fertilize and so they fertilize those and our sperm had actually already been extracted and frozen and then it's so complex you guys science is so incredible i can't even believe they can do this it's, it blows my mind i love explaining <laughs> it to people sometimes like everyone yeah. their minds just go <laughs> it's it so crazy. crazy it's crazy yeah and so we actually like typically you'll just like put the egg in a petri dish and then just dump dump the sperm on it and like may the best sperm win <laughs> in our no case way. like we can't do that and that's what ivf is in vitro fertilization petri dish egg sperm see ya anyways with us it's very much more detailed they had to take one single sperm and extract it into like a small little glass needle and puncture the egg and inject it into the egg <laughs> How do they even know right. that's an option? <laughs> I just am like, this is mind-blowing. And it's called ICSI, I-C-S-I. So, you guys, there's so many terms. And um, so then they do that, and then they just incubate them, and they babysit them. And you hope that as many as got fertilized, at least half of them survive. They say that there's like a 50% fall off. So like 50% of your eggs are mature enough and then 50% of them fertilize. 50% of them make it to day five to be frozen or to be transferred because it's, it's just so complex. And so ours had to be genetically tested. They discovered that we had a genetic DNA issue. And so in order to prevent my body from naturally discarding, I mean, there's no nice way of saying like your body is getting rid of a baby um so it's ending its life it can't survive and anyways um they freeze your your embryos that survive to day five that means they've multiplied into at least a hundred cells and well, at least I think a hundred cells. Don't they like grade them? Yeah. Like they what's a great them. one and what's the, like the chances of it actually taking yeah. on a scale? And, yeah. and when they're not genetically tested, you go off the grades and they grade off of what your cellular structure looks like, what the shape of the embryo looks like, everything. Okay. But ours, because they're genetically tested, they don't even care about the grade. <laughs> Because you could have one that looks so beautiful and have like a double A as a grade, but it's not genetically normal, it's meaning it doesn't have all of its yeah. chromosome matches. So we were really lucky. Um, I think we had, how many eggs did we have fertilized, babe? Uh, fertilized 
fertilized eggs, it was, I, I want to say 17, 19? Wow. 19. Or no, it was more like 19 eggs harvested. Fertilized, it was 11. 11. Wow. And then nine of them made it to day three. And then four of them made it to day, five. well, two of them made it to day five. Really? Cheap. And then they have day six, which is like a, a little bit of grace period. Like, okay, maybe they're going to get a fighting chance and become this cellular structure that we can freeze. And so we had four that were sent off for genetic testing. And what they do is they just suck off. It's so interesting. And I've posted it to my stories before. But they basically just suction off six cells off of this little embryo. And they send it to a geneticist. And they can tell you if it has all of its chromosomes. Or it can tell you that the it's gender. The gender. Yep. <laughs> that early. Yeah. Wow. Because it's checking the chromosomes. And okay. so it wants to know XX or XY. And so we know how many boys, how many girls we have, things like that. Um, so we had one that came back abnormal, meaning it actually had a trisomy. So that means it had three chromosomes on chromosome number 17. <clears throat> and they don't advise transferring it. They say it won't survive, things like that. So then from there, um, when they're genetically tested and at my age, and because we did ICSI, which is the single sperm to egg ratio, um, they don't advise transferring more than one. Oh, wow. Because when you puncture the egg, you're introducing a chance for multiples because you've already created a little bit of disruption on the egg. And so it can split more easily. And because I'm right on the border of 35, that is something that they look at. And then they also look at my history of pregnancy loss. And so there's so many things that put me at high risk. So um, they don't want multiples as much as they used to. Um, so if they're not genetically tested, you'll see a lot of women transfer usually two because chances are one of them will take. Yeah. Hopefully, you know. And so um, we transferred. When did we transfer? It was. A month ago? The transfer was, um, I'm going to say two weeks ago wasn't it yeah it seems like it wasn't that so long are you ago. on progesterone shots right now yeah. how are you doing <laughs> they're just so uh, the listeners know what progesterone shots are they are very large needles that go in the intermuscular part of your hip butt but yeah oh. and it is very painful <laughs> it's like oil it's not like do a you quick give them shot you do mm -hmm. so yeah. i know some women who'd give it to them yeah. themselves and i go ah, there are so many women that i'm like i wish i could be like you because they do it themselves mm -hmm. i do it one time it took me counting to three two and a half like 20 times i'm like two. <laughs> i know i'm like i can't do this and so i've you start the progesterone shots about five days before transfer and when they um, transfer the embryo, you're pregnant until proven otherwise, is what they say. Oh, wow. And so when people say they have a failed transfer, they have a loss. Absolutely. Because there was a life created yeah. outside of their body Absolutely. and placed back in them. And unfortunately, it does And the stick. process leading up to it. Yeah. Like those women were pregnant. It wasn't a failure. Yeah. It was a loss. And that's something that I want to bring awareness to as well. Because... It wasn't just like a failed transfer. I hate that word. I'm like, oh my gosh, Jesse, what if we have a failed transfer? So I many can't medical suffer terms enough for loss. Like, 
sadistic. You know? They are, right? I'm like, oh, that's so mean. <laughs> so, so you talked about in one of your posts that you were feeling very anxious before you did the transfer. Walk us through how you felt. Yeah. So the reason I was so anxious is it's like, why the hell am I doing this? I've already lost these multiple pregnancies. Why am I doing this? I'm choosing to potentially go through this loss again. And I just thought, what was I thinking? And it's not cheap. We had already paid $30,000 towards my previous loss earlier this year because we were in the emergency room and we were fighting for two weeks to see if we could keep this baby. And it was really stressful. And that's when I started talking about it because I thought, well, why not share? I want people supporting me because I'm so sick of people finding out after my loss <laughs> that we were pregnant. Yeah. And so we wanted to celebrate this life. And so we put so much money into this first pregnancy earlier this year. And so um, IVF typically runs around 20,000 on the low, like on the high end probably, if you do one cycle of egg retrieval because each egg retrieval costs about seven grand in meds and, and the meds save? aren't included do they have the other ones that okay so we have we have two frozen embryos a little boy and a little girl and um we have the one that we transferred and he's sticking around so well, technically how many weeks with that so we are five and a half weeks oh my gosh yeah congratulations thank you so it's, I don't believe that I'm pregnant yet um, That's okay. at all. And he does. <laughs> but I'm like, why am I doing this? And I regret it. And that's really hard to admit because it's like, well, wait, but you wanted this. But I don't know if I want this. <laughs> like, it's vulnerability. I'm so scared. I'm so scared because what if something happens like until this baby's here i'm not out of the clear and once this baby's here like something could still happen mm-hmm. doesn't matter like what was i thinking and so every day sometimes i have really great days and other days i'm just in bed like beside myself and so the week of transfer i just tried to stay really busy and i think i was actually supposed to meet with you guys that week huh mm-hmm. and um Anyways, it just, um, if I didn't have my husband and the support he is, it probably would be a lot harder. Mm -hmm. He's very available for me and he's very open with um, his team at work and they know what we're going through. And so if I need him, he's here. And um, that's really helpful. Mm -hmm. But the week of transfer was really stressful and scary. I didn't want to talk about it. Everyone's like, when is it? What are you doing? And I'm like, no. <laughs> and they're like, can you just give us a def- like a definitive answer? No, because I don't want to make it tangible yet. Yeah. <laughs> and so um, every person that goes through IVF talks about it differently. Some of them share it in real time. Others don't for good reason. And it's because you're dealing with all this. Um emotion and you don't know what to do with it but for me um i'm also part of a um i found a support group 
that's for loss and it's not just a local group it's a nationwide group and they have local chapters in various states and it's called share parents of utah so if you are someone that has experienced loss doesn't matter if it was 20 years ago 10 years ago or two weeks ago um it can be so healing because you sit in a room with someone else that has experienced it in such a different way but they know and they get it and it's safe you don't have to talk you don't you know but they facilitate a conversation and that's something that really helps me understand that okay I can't hide from this anymore and how many women are hiding from this and I think for me is it it's because I didn't take home a child I didn't deliver a child and so I didn't feel validated in my feelings and I'd had the perfect way to put that right there yeah that's the perfect way to word that because it's like but it wasn't tangible but if we hope to have children in our lives right um hope is the essence of something we can't see and my husband actually shared something last night that I really loved um I wish I could remember what it was. You were talking about the the sun. You don't... Mm-hmm. Will you share oh, that? Yeah, why don't you share it? Right. It was uh, a quote from uh, C.S. Lewis that I like. Um, I don't remember exactly it, but it was um, that he said, um, I believe in God as in I believe in the sun. Not because that I see the sun, but that by it I see everything else. Ooh, isn't that amazing? That is amazing. And he just like gave me full body chills last night when he shared that with me because I was like, Jesse, I still don't have this hope and this faith in the doctors and in the science because everyone's like, well, they fixed the issue. <laughs> they didn't fix me. <laughs> like, I'm still healing. And there are women in my life that have had loss and suffered loss over a decade ago, and they're still healing. Just because they've moved on with their lives and they still celebrate their children, it can still, it just comes in waves. My mom always says, you'll never know when it hits because my mom suffered a loss. And um, she's like, it just comes in waves and you just have to allow yourself to feel it. And I was like, I don't want to. And so something that I've really taken to this year is just self-reflection and meditation and just daily affirmation of, if you just sit here and, and realize that it's okay to be mad, you can be mad. And it's okay to hate the woman that's your friend that's pregnant. It's okay. You still love them. What you hate is that they are pregnant and you're not. We don't hate you. And I had never experienced that feeling until, what, two weeks ago? right around the time of my transfer there were all these women that were announcing their pregnancies and I'm like what the heck yeah and it has never bothered me because I've been able to get pregnant and it bothered me so much and I'm like oh my goodness this is what it feels like I love when women uh, women have been speaking out about the feeling they feel when other people announce that they're pregnant because it allows a place of sensitivity mm-hmm. that others who don't and haven't had to deal with that um, 
they allow a space of sensitivity because yes. I think as a society women don't mean to be insensitive that haven't struggled now it just has brought to light <laughs> they're that. happy and for good reason well not to be so guilty about being happy just to be sensitive right. to others who and, might be struggling and so because they're in this happy place they don't you know they haven't walked that path and when people speak out and share their experiences it creates empathy Mm-hmm. And it creates room for sympathy. But that empathy is real. And we've all experienced loss. The loss of a child, yes, is different, I think, for some people. Um, but for me, in this statement, yes, it's very generalized. But a loss is a loss. Mm-hmm. We have all lost someone or something in our lifetime. And if we can close our eyes and just think about that thing that was so important to us that we lost, you can understand how they are hurting and that sucks. And I went to a recent um, pregnancy after loss support group and um, I didn't wanna go, but I just like busted down that day. My friend was like, I think it's crazy because she's experienced loss. She has four other children and she's like, I could never do what you're doing. I'm not strong enough. But then she just got the wheels turning and I'm like, what am I doing? I can't believe I'm doing this. And so I went to this support group that night and there was just one other girl and she had just found out she was pregnant. And I looked at her and I just said, that sucks. And she's like, it does, doesn't it? And I'm like, yes. And she's like, I'm so glad you didn't say that you're sorry. And I'm like, because I'm not sorry. I know that it sucks because I know I'm pregnant and I don't want to be right now either. <laughs> like, it's so scary. And it's okay to feel that way. Mm-hmm. And so it's important to talk about it. It's important to share those feelings. doesn't matter who you're talking to, your spouse, a friend, a therapist, a doctor. Talk to someone and then find sources like the PSI you taught like this resource is incredible I started listening because one of my friends shared about it and I was like this is so incredible I feel so much community with these women that are sharing their stories even though they look nothing like mine but they're teaching me and anyone else that's listening how important maternal mental health is and why we need to be aware of the women around us because a lot of them suffer in silence. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, it doesn't always end well. And we need to break that stigma. I agree. And I think think even kind of back to what you were talking about, about being happy for each other, kind of. But I, for the longest time, and my son is five, I remember, and even still, it makes me uncomfortable when my friends have babies and they're totally fine. And they don't get even like an ounce of baby blues. I'm like, how is that possible? <laughs> like, I can't make sense of it. And it, like, I feel so weird and, like, foreign and alien being around someone that's happy to have a baby because I'm just um, like, oh ugh. Yes. I don't want to do that ever again. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yes. So it's Well, it's, like, weird. Um, on one of your episodes the last few months, I think her name was Jessica. I can't remember. But she had said that she'd had a sister that had gone through postpartum. And she's like... I wasn't feeling what she was feeling, so I didn't have it. Mm -hmm. She's like, no, I had it, but it was completely different. 
And I learned a lot from that episode because it doesn't look the same for Mm -hmm. everyone. And so when you see a woman that just had a baby and they're doing great, they can be looking like they are holding it together yeah. and they are they falling apart well, I think a lot of women they don't could even, be. Yeah, really we just don't know. They have postpartum. Oh, I was yeah. talking to a well, woman. Like that, yeah. 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 I was talking to a woman and she's like, you know, I'm so sorry you went through that. Um, I've never experienced it. I mean, I had thoughts of putting my baby in the washing machine, but I mean, I would never do that. And I'm thinking like, that hey, actually is a sign. That's actually a sign. You know, these things yeah. of, and educating and speaking out and learning that it doesn't right. look the same helps women acknowledge, oh, I'm not yeah. supposed to feel that way. And that's okay. Yeah, yeah. totally. Um, something that I love is my primary care physician. She um, checks my mental health every time I'm there. Go her. Give her a hug for me, right? please. She's incredible. Holy cow. Um, Cause she knows and it wasn't until she knew that i was doing ivf that she's like i did ivf who are you seeing and i told her and she's like that's who i saw and i'm like how come you never told me yeah. this and she's like i even did the stimming and the egg retrieval and the transfer none of my staff knew and i was like oh. i wanted to cry because i'm just like how did you survive and there are women whether it's they just had a child or they're going through the process of IVF, whatever it is, or they're suffering a loss. A lot of them are doing it alone and we don't know. And that's when it's important to just recognize how to be there for someone. If we see someone and we just feel like we need to call them, just call them. My friend that has cancer, um, shout out to Reba. <laughs> you guys, she's amazing. Um, but she was diagnosed at the same time that I was suffering my loss. She knew about it. Not anyone else really knew that I was pregnant. Um, but I'd shared with her because I was supposed to help watch her kids that week. And I'm like, Reba, I wouldn't bail on you, but I'm on bed rest because I'm fighting to keep this baby inside of me. And um, she was incredible. And she's going through her own journey. And she still texts me all the time, wants to know how I'm doing where I'm at and um, that is proof that no matter where you are at in your life or what you're going through you can always reach out you can always be there and so I'm so grateful that here I have this woman the sister that's part of the sisterhood and she's willing to take time to notice me when if I were in her shoes or like if I'm in my shoes going through this it's hard for me to reach out to people. I ignore a lot of people and I don't talk to a lot of people, but I know they mean well and I appreciate it and it doesn't go unnoticed. And so I think one of the most amazing things that you do, and this is just what I think of when I think of you. Um, and when I see your posts is your ability to just keep it real. Like even just like what you've been saying about, I don't really want to be pregnant. I'm scared, you know, is like, gives so many other women the permission to feel the same way so that right there is so much better not better but it's like that alone is you reaching out to your friends by doing that by your instagram stories and your posts and your just being authentic and real because people see through it you know yeah when you're just being cheesy and phony for social media (laughs) like you you give people permission to show up as themselves and to feel what they need to feel just because you do that so that is like one of the most supportive things you can do as a friend well thank you right like yeah i mean i just it means so much 
to know that I have women in my own life that are going through their own fertility struggles and they open up and share about them now because I did. But I started sharing about it because I saw them go through it and it hurt me to see how much they were hurting. And that's why I started talking about it because I wanted to be that voice for the women that don't want to have a voice. And you're allowed to feel that way. Women are allowed to feel like they can keep what's going on private, but still seek help. My friend was seeking help. She was getting, she's going to all the resources necessary, but she was still processing everything alone and privately. And I saw, I, I, I don't know if I, I mean, my perception was it was pain and I didn't want to be where she was. It hurt to see her going through that. And what a blessing that she was going through it when she was, because then here I was going through something completely different, but very similar. And I think that's what's so important about the maternal mental health and teaching women that it is okay to not be okay, but it's also okay to not want to talk about it, but it's okay to listen to other women talk about it so that you know that you're not alone. Mm-hmm. And that's what this podcast has done. I hope so. We just really want to give people a space where they can just go and and listen. And, <clears throat> you know, for the people, like, you know, a lot of the things, like the Emily effect and all of that, they, they've been done such a good job at reaching out to the community and the doctors and the hospitals. And yeah. for me, like, I just, I went to one of their events and I was like, what about the moms that don't want to go to the doctor? Mm-hmm. What are we doing for them? So that's kind of what started this. It was just like you need to go listen to something that helps you realize like oh my friend posted this and then they'll realize i'm not alone it's okay to grieve Mm -hmm. a five-week loss it's okay to grieve that i'm pregnant and i'm scared to death like it's whoa my sister just told me she's pregnant (laughs) and i knew she'd been trying and by the time this airs, hopefully she's told people. But <laughs> I know. I was like, wait a minute. Let Leslie know. Right? Yeah, let me know. But, but the thing is, is she knows that it, it'd be hard for me to hear that. But at the same time, like, it's okay. I'm happy for her. And if something happens and my baby doesn't survive, whatever this whirlwind of a pregnancy is going to be, that's okay. Those are variables. And... What I've learned is you don't focus on the invariables. You state the, what do I call it? Um, Affirmations? Well, I like, you speak in literals. Oh, yeah. And so not if I'm pregnant or when, if I have the baby, when I have my baby. And you speak in literals and you live day by day. But anyways, back to my sister. She just told me, like, guess what? And I'm like, you're pregnant. (laughs) She's like, I am. And I'm like, I knew it when I saw you last week. And she's my baby sister, and I'm so happy for her. And she has five other children, you guys. Bless her. Bless her heart. But she also feels my pain. And she knows that. And she hasn't suffered what I've suffered. But she loves me so much, and I can feel it. Because she shared with me personally before she told anyone else for that very reason and that's what it is about the sisterhood and the community and being sensitive to say 
I'm so happy for you or thank you for being happy for me. I'm having a baby shower. I really want you to know that I love it if you come, but I understand if you don't want to. I was just going to ask you what you would say to women who haven't suffered loss, what, how, and what you would like, how you would like them to act and the questions you would like them to say and Mm -hmm. how to treat it sensitively. Um, I think for me, and it's different for everyone, but for me, don't, um, I mean, I don't really even have the best advice because for me, it's just don't ignore the fact that I had a loss. Don't ignore the loss. Um, I'm still here. I still want my friends, even if I'm pushing you aside right now. And what's so incredible is we work with four and five year olds and um, through just our church congregation and um we like clued the kids in like you guys they're four and five but we told them hey Steph is gonna have a baby and this is what's going on and they were so inquisitive and so here are these little four and five year olds that are like we're praying for you and are they gonna cut you open in your back or in your stomach to put the baby in and like, have they put the baby in you yet and ew you're having a boy we want you to have a girl you know and so that's just it be real mm-hmm. talk about it whether it's a five-year-old or a 95 year old they all just want to know because the more you know the more you can gain support and yeah. so I think for me, it's one, um, if you haven't experienced a loss, there are things that can trigger people that have had a loss. And those that have had a loss don't typically talk about those triggers. I mean, just having someone announce a pregnancy can be a trigger. Or um, just like multiple married things, myriad of things. So um, I think it's just being sensitive in how you do things. You can be happy for yourself. You don't have to cater to anyone else. So I'm not saying don't announce that pregnancy. Enjoy that pregnancy. Be happy. If you're miserable, talk about it. If you're not miserable, talk about it. (laughs) Because that's just it. We're all allowed to feel our own way. And we can be offended or mad or irritated with whatever's on the other end. But it's what we do with it. And so we don't have to let that person know, like, I really hated that you did that Yeah, because they're celebrating their own thing. And something that I really appreciated this year is we went to a, um, event, um, for a grant that we applied for. And one of the speakers, she works in, uh, mental health and she had been struggling with infertility and she wanted a baby so badly. And she had a friend that was in her like little close circle of friends who got pregnant and she called her and she said, I need to talk to you because I know you can help me. I'm pregnant and I don't want to be. And she said that you can always be there for someone by removing yourself from the situation and recognizing that their grief over something that you want so badly is still valid. And so here was this sisterhood, right? These women that had been friends for years. And here's this woman that's like, I just want a child so badly. And then this other woman who 
is like, I don't want this baby. And she's grieving over the fact that she has to decide what to do. And she's going to have this child to a friend that she knows wants it so badly. And so she really taught me something in that moment of you can grieve right alongside people for the very fact that they are grieving over something that you want. And I think that's really important too. Yep, I agree. Um, <clears throat> sorry. One of the things, and since you've listened, you know, but what we usually end with is asking the question of, you know, what would you tell someone in your position? I want to start with you, if you don't mind. Like, Sure. Um, Jesse, for the husbands or partners or dads out there, um, going through what you guys have gone through, especially right now, um, what's something that you want them to know that maybe you wish you knew or that you're learning right now? Um, um, that's a great question. Um, I guess me personally, um, I'm not the most, uh, social or even talkative person. I haven't really said a whole lot here, but <laughs> that's okay. Yeah. Um, uh, at the people that I, I do, um, talk to, um, while I haven't really said or shared a whole lot myself, I'm definitely not opposed to talking about, you know, mine and our experiences. And so I really don't mind or maybe even want other people to actually ask me questions. I actually, I like being able to um, answer questions. Um, there have been a, a few people at work, some coworkers that have asked me a couple questions and I like being able to answer that. It uh, um, it is nice to talk about these things, mm -hmm. even though it can be hard and stressful. It it can be good to actually talk about it. Yeah, and I feel like we kind of mentioned this before we started recording, but you guys were talking about how your partner goes through this with you, and it's usually the mother that that gets a lot of the support, but it's also there's there's also the, the partners that also, you know, you go through it and you, and you watch, you know, your partner struggle and cry and go through all these physical changes and it's a heavy burden. Yeah. For sure. So what gets you through it? For me, um, I get through it because I'd say just because I really love her. Um, and because I love her, I am going to do whatever is in my power to be able to help her. Um, I mean, it is hard for me, but for me, it's more so, um, for me, the pain is more so of seeing how much pain she is in. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to do, even though really it's not a whole lot I can do, it's really mainly just trying to be there for her. and. That, I guess that's my goal, and that's what helps me. Yeah, that's amazing. You guys are sweet. Yeah, that's very <laughs> sweet. You guys are a good couple. Um, so, and then for you, my question is, um, what would you tell yourself after that first loss um, that you wish you would have known now? What would you tell those women out there that just suffered their first loss that have 
one either told themselves they don't deserve to grieve or what would you say to that? That it's not your fault, that it's okay to feel the way you're feeling. Allow yourself to be mad, to be hurt, and just don't blame yourself because that's what I did for the longest time. Um, If I had just done this or if I hadn't done that or all these things and you can't. There's so many what ifs and you can't go back. You can't change it. You can only change moving forward. And so I wish I had taken the time to experience the feelings I had. And um, pretty much a year to the date um, from being in the ER with our first loss, um, we were in the emergency department again with our fourth loss, um, impending loss. And it was really eye-opening for me because I felt more hope and I felt more ownership in the fact that I can experience this how I want to. The doctors, yes, they're there and they know what they're doing and they have a say, but my OB allowed me to make decisions. And I think for women that are going through a loss or if you've just experienced it, um, or you know someone that's going through it, be your own advocate. Don't be afraid to ask questions and don't be afraid to say that's not right. Um, and my OB has been great. Um, because of my history, they've been letting me go in as often as I want to check my blood work. And, um, it's so helpful because every day I'm anxiety ridden. So that's what I would say is just be your own advocate. Don't be afraid to fight for what you know feels wrong because you know your body better than anyone else. So if whether it's a loss that you've experienced or you're just going through, you know, the birth of a child and you're at home and you have no idea what's going on, right? Um, don't be afraid to recognize that something doesn't feel right. And just say, oh, it's just because I had a baby or I just had this miscarriage or whatever it is. Be an advocate for yourself because if you can advocate for yourself, then you can walk away stronger. I love that. That was beautiful. That was so beautiful. Um, thank you so much for sharing. And just because I know a lot of people out there since I've bragged about your awesome Instagram. <laughs> What's your Instagram handle? Uh, it's Steph May 303. M-A-E? Yes. Okay. Steph May M-A-E 303. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Thank you guys so much for sharing. Jesse, thank, thank you. you for opening up about that as well. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Rising Phoenix podcast. If you feel like you can relate and would be open to share your story with us, please email us at risingphoenixpodcast at gmail.com. For more information on local and national resources for pregnancy and postpartum health, visit www.postpartum.net or www.psiutah.org. We are recording from the Stone Sheba Podcast Studio in Provo, Utah. Check them out on Instagram for more info on our podcast and others. Thanks for listening.